0: late night movies with rob zach and ben this is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre abnormal or off-kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm ben
1: and i fear the future oh man Ben, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but I want to just reiterate you know, what I said. This is one of my favorite films of all time. And, and I wanted to say that at the start because I don't know if I can talk about it appropriately. It was kind of, in preparation for this recording, one of the things where I was saying, like, I, I was thinking to myself, I should say, I was like, oh, man, I love this movie so much. How are we going to break it down? So maybe, Ben, I want to throw it over to you at the start, and I want to ask you, what does you think about The Nowhere in the St. Vincent movie? Because, one, uh, we have seen St. Vincent in concert before. Um, we have seen her on the Fear the Future tour, but I wanted to throw it over you and ask you, like, do you have as much love that I do for St. Vincent? Do you have as much love for this movie and things like that? I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but, you know, maybe if you give our audience, our cinema audience, sorry, um, some breakdown into what you're thinking about this week's episode on cinemodities.
0: Uh, yeah, so I, um... You know, I've had a lot going on. I'm trying to buy a house and shit. So I actually watched this movie this morning.
2: Okay.
0: Um, and I, I went out and got a coffee and <laughs> uh, shortly afterward. But I so I, I sit down, you know, I'm watching this movie. It's, it's like a documentary about this celebrity's life. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. You know, like we're seeing her being like a normal person and – and being goofy and her friend wants her to to just be like more interesting and she's like I don't really know what that even means One
1: of my favorite moments in this movie is as right at the start and I think you're you're hitting at it you know the idea that you know she's like what do I do? Uh, Annie Clark. Annie Clark is the real name of St. Vincent. She says something like, what do I do? What do I, uh... How do I be on screen? And we get that moment where she's playing the Nintendo Switch in, like, the hotel lobby, and she's like, ooh, that's a faster swim! <laughs> 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 I, I, I love that moment.
2: So how should I, like... What should I do? Uh, just be yourself. Okay. Um, even if that's just me playing video games? Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh... Audience should feel like a fly in the wall. So we're gonna film everything. Especially if it's you being you. Tour <laughs> You know, tour is is boring. Yeah, but I mean maybe it's good to show that. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. <gasps> Ooh Ooh, that's a faster swim.
0: Yeah, so I mean we we get this whole like Kind of feels like a, a a deep dive into her like personality, I guess. Sure. And um, I don't know. It, it it felt it was like a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. I I definitely enjoyed the movie. And then it got weird.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, man. This this movie takes maybe. I I was coming in here. You know. I also watched it this morning. I've seen this movie maybe. Seventeen times, something like that, which I want to talk more about. But I did watch it this morning as well. It it takes a twist that is unexpected. Maybe that's the best way to say it.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And and I, so you know, at first as the twist kind of starts, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like we're seeing this artist kind of give in to being an asshole because people are kind of yeah being assholes to her or treating her like she is an asshole already, which is. Which is something that I found very strange, especially with that that Holly person that's just like, Yeah, she was really trying hard to impress me, but she's a snob. And I was like, I don't really know how those things are super compatible, but but okay, you know? And so like these people are just kind of sucking and they and then like her friend wants her to be more interesting and she just wants to be herself and she doesn't really know how to how to be on camera and and uh and then we start to see her like really give in to I guess, being a worse person because of the way the people around her are treating her. And yeah. I, I thought that was a very interesting, like, commentary on what it must be like to be famous.
1: Yeah, it it, it it plays on this role, and, you know, not to get too far ahead, but I think we're talking about the, the twist of this movie. The first twist is that, you know, Annie Clark, St. Vincent, becomes an asshole. And I think you said it best. that That is the way to say it. She becomes this, you know, expressive antagonist, if, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Yes, de- definitely. And uh, she goes from being like this overly polite, doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings to I like, fuck it. I don't care about you and I don't have to care about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that, that transformation was was pretty interesting to watch. And that and that's really before the movie starts even getting like kind of trippy, which it does get trippy eventually.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you say that because I think I mentioned it last week when we were discussing, um, our, our music movies and things like that. I, I, well, one, I, I know I said that this is very different from Crestone. Uh, Crestone is like an art installation. This is a real movie, but it turns into something more Lynchian. And, and I wanted to pick your brain about that, Ben, in the sense that, you know, we, we, we have watched David Lynch movies together, you know. I, I've I've told the story that you know you and I went to the what the uh, Athena Cinema at on Court Street, you know that type of thing. And every Friday we were watching a new David Lynch movie. This movie becomes like a David Lynch movie, right?
0: Definitely with with the like the weird camera effects and yeah. and the 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 use of what's on screen to depict the distortion of reality. Which I definitely thought was phenomenal. Like in that scene where she's pretending that she's family's or that that her family is this like cowboy group oh of people, that, and that, that she that makes is, pecan pies and that shit. Is
1: probably my favorite scene in the movie, where it's like when when they do the whole thing of uh, the Year of the Tiger. So that's a a, a a Saint Vincent song, Year of the Tiger, and they just perform it, you know, in in full that type of thing. That that might mm. be my favorite bit of the movie because i i have snapshotted it to you i think to my friends and stuff like that i'm like this is awesome and people hit me back and they're like is that that saint vincent movie you've been telling me about
0: <laughs> sure um yeah and that i mean watching her pretend to have a gigantic family and just like entirely be someone else and like that and that's even kind of a huge juxtaposition from what we see like immediately before that because she's be- immediately before that she's more of the like st vincent plastic yeah you know dressed in plastic girl and then all of a sudden she's just like this cowboy person uh and and the whole time she's like pushing away her friend uh carrie cb yeah carrie something
1: carrie brownstein yeah absolutely blank
0: yeah blankenship yeah whatever um Um, I'm,
1: i'm actually glad that you bring that up because this is something um you know, as, as we often do, I think on, uh, on Adventure Time episodes, more often than not, I, I wanted to highlight this because, Ben, it, it's, it's something that I don't know if you're, you will remember, um, but it's something I wanted to highlight because way back in the day, when we first started to get to know each other, so I'm talking 2013, that type of thing, I remember once telling you that I found out about Portlandia. Um, And I remember telling you, and I was like, dude, you should check this out. This is something interesting. And I remember saying to you explicitly, I was like, dude, uh, it's on Netflix. Like, go watch this episode, this first episode of Portlandia. And you came back to me after having watched it. So don't get me wrong. You did watch it, you know. And you came back to me, and you said it wasn't funny. And I was like... Well, fucking, I never said it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but I, I kind of, it, it sticks with me to this day that, you know, I told you to watch this, this episode of a show, and you came back to me saying it wasn't funny. And I was like, well, no shit, it's not supposed to be funny. Does this ring a bell? Do you remember this moment or anything like that? Uh,
0: not really, okay. but... <laughs> <laughs> I I do I do remember the show Portlandia, and I I remember like my impression of it is that it was a comedy, it or it was like I don't it was like. It's also like some hipster shit, right?
1: Oh, yes, yes. The, the first episode, if um, if anybody you know wants to be reminded, it's about how um, uh, the, the big set piece of the first episode is um, Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein, the two creators of the show. They basically go to a restaurant and they say something like, you know, is this farm to table? And, and it's playing on the fact that, you know, in the episode, they go to a farm to meet the animal that they're about to eat. And oh. it's, it's very much that idea of farm-to-table where you get to hipster hipsterize or meet the animal you're about to consume. And I I just wanted to say once again, I never told you, Ben. I never told you it was supposed to be funny. Yes, it's billed as a comedy, but the reason I told you about it back in the day was because it is the farthest thing from funny. It is more awkward than anything.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense why you told me to watch it, but I—, I... And it also makes sense why I expected it to be funny because I, I remember it being billed as like a
1: comedy. Yes, yes. And and I just want to say once again, I, one I I, I don't I'm not I'm not like bringing this up to 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 harm you or anything, Ben. You know, in this in this retrospective. But I remember you came back at me and you were like, it wasn't funny, and I was like, bitch. All right. <laughs> yep, 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 Yep. That. that's just Just what I wanted to throw with you. But I bring this up because Carrie Brownstein is one of the creators of uh, Portlandia and that type of thing. I don't know if you've watched more of Portlandia as we've gone through these years of, you know, cinemotities and things, things like that. I mean, I think Portlandia falls off hard after the first season. I haven't watched it since probably the Bacon episode. The Bacon episode is the one that won a bunch of awards where, um you know— Um, There's a bunch of people who, like, work for foods. It's really hard to explain, but, like, Steve Buscemi in the bacon episode is, like, the, the spokesperson for bacon, and he has to, like, let his wife sleep with the bacon person. I don't know if I'm making any sense right there. Hey, kids, a quick correction here. I misspoke and I said bacon twice. I actually meant to say celery in place of one of those. The episode of Portlandia I was referencing is Season 4, Episode 3, Celery, uh, in which Steve Buscemi plays the head of celery, I guess? It's a really interesting episode that I think is worth checking out, and also just to get a sense of the uh, the awkwardness that uh, Carrie Brownstein brings to The Nowhere Inn. But I guess the point I'm making is that this comes across, uh, The Nowhere Inn, because it's directed by Carrie Brownstein, and she has a lot to do with it, it comes across as awkward more than anything. Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, yeah, it definitely comes across as awkward.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think awkward is the best way to put it, and I I think, you know, for the right people, me and you especially, that comes across as funny, but I could imagine a lot of people watch this and go, well, this is just weird, you know?
0: Well, it is also very weird. So.
1: <laughs> fair, fair. Um, well, I guess that brings me to um, throwing it over to you and asking you this question. Um, I think you already answered a little bit, but the idea that this is strange, this is Lynchian, you know, to get at that idea again. Um, but did you think it was funny? Were you laughing during this movie?
0: Definitely a part, Um especially like let's see, the, the part where, where Annie and in Dakota like want to be filmed having sex and Carrie's incredibly uncomfortable. Like sure. that I definitely was laughing at that part. Uh not necessarily because I was humored, uh, but because of how awkward it was.
1: Yes, yes. Um, you're you're a director. Direct us. And it's <laughs> and, and she's like well, I don't really want to watch you having sex. And it was like, no, you're a director. Direct
2: us. <laughs>
0: uh, and and then there's like, I don't know, there are definitely a couple other parts where when Annie starts to behave like a, well, when she starts to, to Im- impersonate or emulate St. Vincent at all times, and she's just like kind of being a bitch. Like there's, there's the scene where she hugs Carrie on the bus in the after party. And she's like, we're in this together. And she's like, we are. She's like, yes, me and me. <laughs>
2: know, <laughs> I, I thought
0: that shit was so funny. I was just like, "Damn, you know, like way to fucking punch her in the gut." Yeah. Oh, and then uh, at the end when she she's like, uh, "Dad, you're a part of this," and he's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Does that does that mean you're not really sick?" He's like, "No, I'm very very sick. I'm just not your dad."
1: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that, that, that shit is was so funny. that is where I kind of lost my mind. So to to get into it, um, uh, th- this movie, you know. It it was filmed in, I think, 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. I remember hearing about it because just like, you know, two weeks ago when I um, talked about Crestone and how I learned about that through Animal Collective's newsletter, this was the same thing. I learned a lot about this movie because of St. Vincent and, you know, her music and me being involved with her newsletter, stuff like that. When this aired, I think it's South by Southwest 2019, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see it, but it seems like nobody's going to want to distribute this. And when it came out last year um, in 2021, I was like, holy shit, I need to go see it. And so what I did when I learned about this movie being played in theaters, I went down to Denver. I drove down and I saw this movie in theaters because it was what I thought was going to be the one time it played, that type of thing. Um, I, I saw it at maybe like a... 2 p.m. showing, that type of thing. Like, I was the only person in the audience... Um, I I stayed and I watched it again because they were playing it again, so I saw it twice in the same day. And then later on in the afternoon, um, I was telling my friends, oh my God, I saw this movie, it's so fucking strange, like it's kind of crazy, that type of thing. And the people I was hanging out with were like, well, can we go see it? And I I looked up, is it playing again? And I went with them two more times to see it. So I saw this movie four times in theaters. Um, And then... I rented it when it came available on Amazon, and I recorded it, so that's how I have this copy, and I watched it two more times, you know, basically I watched this movie six times within its release, and I watched it twice for this recording. I love this movie, Ben. This movie is so much fun. I don't know if I would put it at the top of my list, you know. I, I don't think it's better than, you know, Don Hertzfeld's It's Such a Beautiful Day or Animal Collective's Odd Sack or anything like that. But this movie is so good. And this is something I wanted to pick your brain on. I, I'm imagining you've only seen it once. You've watched it for this recording. Do you think the twist is... Let me see if I can phrase this the right way. Do you think the twist is... I, I want to say manageable. Do you think rewatching this movie would gain anything after knowing the twist of it if that makes sense
0: um i, I definitely intend to rewatch it just so i can uh, i guess try, try to understand it better or okay. like come at it from from the position of of knowing the thing that she says at the end about having never lost sight of what they were doing um and I, and i do want to see if that changes the way i perceive things sure. so i definitely think it is possible that the twist that it's still rewatchable, but I haven't rewatched it, knowing the twist. So, Gotcha. I, I'm i definitely curious. So, I mean, so the the twist also, I mean, it's... The, I guess that that everything is is a, is a performance, and Carrie is not actually making a real documentary. She's making a movie that St. Vincent or someone else is directing that <laughs> yeah. she's not aware of, uh, something like that. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I definitely want to see... Uh, watch it again to get a, get a feel for that but I, but I mean there are some things that stick out like where the, the roadies and stuff or like the other people in her band they were just like what do you mean she's being different at one point and it was like she's very clearly being different you know
1: Yeah. So I I love the moment where when when the documentary, I guess, in the sense of the movie starts going on, you know, you have the thing where they're interviewing people, uh, her roadies, like you said, and it's like, well, what what makes you interested with working with Annie Clark? And she and, and one of the roadies says something like, do you think she's not interesting?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's that um, awkward kind of sense of comedy that that really drives me to this film. I mean, even when when um, you know, Andy Clark, uh, St. Vincent says something like, you know, okay, Carrie, Carrie wants us to be more interesting and that type of thing. And one of the guys says, I can do an accent. I can be Australian. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the? it's like, no, to- to- no you're Japanese. missing the point. <laughs>
0: I'm, so- I'm sorry. I called you Japanese Toko.
1: Oh my Toko God. Toko is
0: Japanese. Toko, I, I
1: didn't mean to call you Japanese. Toko is Japanese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shit is too funny, man. <laughs>
0: I agreed. Agreed.
1: I and and also, I mean, I've I've seen Toko in concert before. I think um, one of the things okay. I wanted to represent is um, back in the day when when you and I lived near each other. I know you were not there, Ben, but um, Nick and I went to the Nelsonville. Uh, music festival okay yeah. um and we saw saint vincent there we also we also saw the flaming lips and stuff like that but toko was there in concert and she is such a good guitar player like that that's kind of the thing that i know we're coming in different perspectives from this like i love saint vincent for her music i love saint vincent as a personality creating this music but i know you are different i remember you know correct me if i'm wrong ben but when Nick and I came out to Ohio that one year, uh, maybe it was 2016, 2017 or whatever like that, we, we were basically like, hey, Ben, can we stay at your place? Because Nick and I want to go see this concert. And you went, oh, fuck yeah. How do I get tickets, right?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was essentially it. Yeah, you, you guys said, like, we're going to come see St. Vincent. And I was like, well, there's still still some tickets. I'll go with you.
1: Um, <laughs> sure, sure.
0: But, but that was really, like, my main, like, first-time introduction to St. Vincent. Um, I had never really listened to anything of hers before that. I think I may have started listening to mass seduction.
1: Yes. Yeah. Before it was, it was that we tour. went. Sure. Yeah.
0: But I hadn't really listened to it. You know, prior to you, you guys telling me about it, and I, I fucking loved some of it. I mean, uh, was it Los Angeles? Like, that's some good shit.
1: Yes, yes. I, <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned that also because this is um, this was filmed around the time of that album. But I mean, even the beginning. You know, we want to talk about awkward. You know, her with the limo driver. You know, New York oh is New York is that without you, love. And she's singing the this stuff from that album. And I mean. I, I, let's just focus in on that a minute. I I know we don't have that experience. We're not famous or none like of that, as much as we would love cinemotides to be famous and all that stuff. Just the idea at the start where she's like, you know, well, I'm not for anybody, so your son might you, not know me. Yeah, you know? I'm, not, I'm not for
0: everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was some funny shit. The, the guy's like, I drive a lot of famous people, and I've never heard of you.
1: Yes, yes. It, it comes he, across as so... Once again, you know, to say something I think I said back in um, the Creston episode, it's languorously awkward. Like, I love that first few minutes of this movie where it's really kind of feeling like it's pulling teeth.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, um, it does. And, and I, I definitely felt the same way because, like, it's just like this, this awkward back and forth between her and the limo driver. And he's like, <laughs> I've never heard of you. I feel like I should have heard of you, but I've never heard of you. Like, and, and then he's like, let me call my son. Yeah, My son's never heard of you either. Did and she I, just
1: say MF?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he, like, hangs up.
1: I'm
2: sorry, <laughs> well, son. Don't worry, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll figure son. out who <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, Th- That
0: thing, that line, like, don't worry, we'll figure out who you are. I was just like, this is fucking weird. So you're a singer? Yep. Because uh, I don't
2: know who you are. That's okay. You know, I, I'm not for everybody.
0: No, I mean, I drive a lot of famous people. And I just, I, I never heard of you before, so. Hey, I, uh, I called my boy. He's in the band. He says uh, he's never heard of you either. Can you talk to
2: him? He he's on the phone right now. Yeah. Uh, Hi. Hi. This is so embarrassing. I'm sorry about my dad. He says you're famous. I've never heard of you. What's your name? Well, my name is Annie Clark, but I perform as St. Vincent. Maybe that's where the confusion lies. Uh,
1: maybe sing one of your songs. I I don't know. Oh, now there's a
0: good idea. How about if you do one for us there, Miss Vincent, or Mrs. Vincent?
2: New York is in New York without you, love. So far in a few blocks to be so low. And if I call you from First Avenue, we're the only motherfucker in the- Whoa! S- Did she just say MF? Yeah, goodbye, sir.
0: Motherfucker, don't worry, we'll find out who you are. Like, is this guy going to try to murder her? Yeah, yeah.
1: And of course, as we learn, I think at the end of the movie that there is a um, a, a bigger thing going on. I th- I think that the reveal of the movie, and this is another thing I wanted to ask you, the, the the limo driver runs out of the driver's seat, as we know in the start of the movie, as as we see yes. her go in and, you know, she's like, what the hell happened? That type of thing. I I believe, for me, seeing this movie as many times as I have, I think the implication is that for some reason the limo driver learns that she has been this terrible to carrie brownstein did you get the same thing
0: well so that that was something that was a little confusing to me because there's the ending scene where um her and carrie are in the limo and and they're driving and they're talking about you know whatever uh and and St. Vincent is saying some kind of fucked up shit. Was to Was it Carrie. really
1: all an act? You know, something yeah. along those lines. Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and and then, like the uh, Carrie gets out and runs away, and then it seems like we're in the scene from the beginning of the movie,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which doesn't really vibe because. Carrie wasn't in the first scene in the movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it, it comes across, uh, I think, you know, like we said, it's very Lynchian. Um, I, I think also, like, this is one of the reasons I love this movie. I don't fully get it, you know? It, it almost comes across as, like, the better exemplar of, say, something like Under the Silver Lake, where at the end of Under the Silver Lake, I'm like, okay, okay. What was the bird saying, you know, but that's almost irrelevant to the movie. This is more important to the sense that I'm like, I don't really get what the ending is supposed to mean.
0: Yeah, I I don't either. Um, I'm not sure what, if anything, they're really trying to communicate other than that. Like, it it does do that thing where it's like, OK, we're going to start where we're going to end where we started. Yeah. And and that's that's a pretty common trope in movies or I don't know if trope's the right word, but a pretty common thing in movies. And then and then we get this this sense that it's like this isn't actually where we started. Exactly. And I think that's just kind of to like lay it on thick of like this reality is manufactured.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, manufactured is a great way to put it. I mean in in All of the times I've seen this movie, all the times I've shown it to other people, I still think to this day, at the end of it, you know, at the end of this 90 minutes, it's a tight movie, 90 minutes long. I'm still—what am I supposed to gain from this? Like, I I know a lot of it, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more, is the art of creation, which I love for this music movie series, you know, especially when we talked about Crestone and 8 Mile. Like, I love the idea of being creative and what creation takes from people— but at the end of the day, in terms of this movie, I watch it and I go, man, what?
2: <laughs> like, yeah, I'm was... so
1: confused by some of it. And that's part of the reason I love it more than I, you know, other guys. I mentioned Southland Tales or Under the Silver Lake. Southland Tales is another example where at the end of those movies I go, what the hell is this supposed to be about type of thing?
0: Sure. Well, and there's this, there's this sense like – And they they kind of laid on a little heavy handed at the end, like this idea of of what you have to sacrifice to create. But outside of that, like there's definitely a sense of of what we're seeing doesn't really make sense. And um, what can we make of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I, I think you're getting at the notion of um, I think it's maybe 40 minutes into the movie. We got the scene where St. Vincent really like takes on her on-screen or on-stage persona. We get like the, the the scenes bathed in red light of her like pushing her hair back and things like that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you mentioned also, um, what, which is probably my favorite scene in the movie, you know, the whole thing with the family, the ranch family singing, you know, Year of the Tiger and stuff like that. I mean, especially when Carrie Brownstein is sitting at the picnic table with all of them and she's like, I can't do this. I, I don't believe you people, you know, that type of thing. Right. It, it is so weird. It's so awkward, but it is so poignant at the same time.
0: I mean yeah, elaborate. What do you what do you mean by poignant here? Well,
1: well, poignant I think, you know, in in at that point in the movie specifically talking about the um the the um the ranch scene, the ranch family. We get that whole thing where Carrie says to Saint Vincent, it's like, "Why are we filming this? This is not your real family. This is not who you are." And Saint Vincent says, "No, it is who I am." And I think that gets at the idea of, you know, artists versus the artisticness. Maybe maybe this episode gets it what I've been saying for a long time on Cinemodities, separating the art from the artist. This might this episode, this movie might be really highlighting that. Is that, you know, do we care about somebody creating for the sake of creating? Do we want them to be fake because they're gonna produce something that we love? Do we want them to be fake in the sense that they are making music or artistry, music, movies, you know, I'm using a general term, do we care about them creating even if they are not the ones who are inherently creating them, if that makes sense?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's one scene that I can really think of that, that kind of supports what you're talking about, which is, like, she's at, like, something that appears to be, like, a board meeting. Sure. And, and they're, like, they're like talking about the creative process, and she—well, talking about what she's going to be doing, and they're, like, why do you want to ruin what you have? But I, I don't know, I, I definitely— I got the vibe that that they she was trying to talk more about mm, I, I guess the the need for people to think that who she is on stage is actually who she is. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that that notion of and I think this is what this movie is getting at, I'm glad you brought it up, the idea of personality versus persona. Right. And, and that, that that's really cool. I mean, I, I say it all the time. Like I mentioned already, the, separating the art from the artist, I know I bring it up a lot when it comes to, like, R. Kelly. And that's a different story. Like, R. Kelly is a monster. Uh, uh, from everything we know about R. Kelly, he's a goddamn monster. But he wrote, you know, I Believe I Can Fly, one of the most inspirational songs of all time. Um, we right. talked about it even, you know, um, in Space Jam, Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. The whole idea of LeBron being the creator versus the the artist that he wants to be in that movie. I think this film, uh, The Nowhere In, really gets at the idea of how how do you separate those two? Th- this might be the Cinematities movie in the sense of watching St. Vincent, Annie Clark, trying to do exactly what I've been saying. How do you separate the art from the artist?
0: Well... I don't know if I agree in sure. the sense that, like, at the beginning of the movie, she is entirely separated from the artist. Yes, like, like Annie Clark is is not Saint Vincent at all. You're, you're right.
1: You're right about that, especially because we already mentioned, you know, the whole um, you know, uh, at the start. I think it's what the first twenty minutes of the movie. It's like, you know, hey, you're gonna fill me with whatever. Okay, I'm gonna pull up my switch. Ooh, that's a faster swim. You know, <laughs>
0: right. So it's like it, it's almost. It's almost the she goes through kind of the opposite transformation where she's not trying to separate the art from the artist. She she's undergoing a transformation where she is becoming her art. Yeah. And that's like she was successful before she became her art. So I I don't know. Like, I I think if anything, it highlights maybe a a need for 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 um, separating the art from the artist, because when the artist becomes the art they stop being a person
1: yes and and i'm glad you bring that up because i think this um highlights the other members in this movie like we've mentioned toko already we've mentioned uh, a lot of the roadies and stuff like that do you think that this same thing falls into this category i mean it is part of the the movie that when they have like the bus party and and things like that like the the roadies become part of the art and that type of thing but one of the things I like about this movie, and I want to get your thoughts on, is that the people surrounding her, her, um, maybe, you know, uh, benefactors, to use, use a term that I don't think is correct, but, you know, benefactors, her roadies, do you think they become part of what her act is? Like, like Toko playing the guitar, like, um, I don't remember his name, but like the black guy who's playing Scrabble with her and stuff like that. Do you think they lose themselves as part of the art that St. Vincent puts forward?
0: Um, I think, in in the sense that they are all playing a part in this fake movie. Yes, okay. but I think the role they portray in the movie is is not. I, I don't. I just don't think that there's like enough information to suggest that they. Really so lose themselves.
1: Okay, okay. That, that's, a, that's a fair point. I mean, also, I, I want to highlight the line, one of the things I wrote down in my notes. Um, I, I love when, you know, St. Vincent says, uh, she's talking about music, and maybe this is something that, you know, is tangential to this movie that I want to talk to you about because we've mentioned it with, you know, Crestone and 8 Mile. St. Vincent says, people don't realize it's wonderful until generations later. And right. this, this is something that I think I've felt. Um, You know, whenever I've talked to you, Ben... Uh, whether it's been when we've been hanging out or just me, you know, talking to you in in the in the past tense type of thing. Um the the idea of the Beatles. So I, I know I've told you before, like the, the song Tax Man by the Beatles. And I, I know I've said to you before, I'm like, oh my God, this song came out in like nineteen sixty two and, you know, we are still hearing today the effects of that, of that song. We are still hearing people reference, you know, I'm the tax man, you know, that type of thing. Right. And I remember once I, I said to you, I was like, isn't this crazy that, you know, we heard this song back in the 1960s and you were like, well, no, it's not that crazy. People are still complaining about taxes. And I, I just, I just wanted to highlight that in the sense that, you know, people are still relating to songs that are timeless, if that makes sense. And I think this movie gets at, with the line that I mentioned, you know, uh, people don't realize it's wonderful until generations later, I think it still gets at the notion that, you know, we are hearing things for the first time in our lives that will be timeless forever. I don't know, I I, I know I'm throwing a very general idea at you, but what do you think about that? <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, it's an interesting concept that, that we could come across something and maybe not even like it. And for it to turn out to be like revered as a, as an amazing masterpiece for, sure. you know, way longer than we're alive to, to sit around and talk shit about it. Um, like that's kind of an interesting idea, yeah. but I, I, um, I think something like Taxman falls yeah. in a little different category. Cause Taxman was timeless immediately because it was just so relevant. Yeah. Like yeah. every, every government has taxes and every, and every, every, group of people think they're taxed too heavily and they maybe are, maybe aren't. I'm not really going to start an opinion about that, but I, but I think that, you know, something like that, it's like, well, of course that's going to be a timeless thing, but then something like St. Vincent or any other musician where it's not, they're just talking about an idea that will plague everyone. It's like, if you want to be timeless, sure. Talk about an idea that plagues everyone. Talk about heartbreak, talk about whatever, uh, that, that is a universal human experience. But if you want to be, uh, timeless, just because of the way your music sounds, like that's a way harder ask.
2: Absolutely, and
0: um, that's something that I think St. Vincent does. Um, in in she created, she has created some sounds that are that are incredibly impressive. Um,
1: with with that being said, another idea I wanted to bring up. Um, I I think the beginning of this movie, before Annie Annie Clark, you know St. Vincent becomes the persona that is the the essence of this movie. I think this movie gets at something um, that we haven't really talked about ever, Ben. Uh, imposter syndrome. I I think that this movie gets at you know before she really becomes her onstage persona, she's talking about the idea that you know why am I famous? Why do people like my music? Did you pick up on that at all?
0: Not not really. Okay. I mean, I I did only watch it the one time. I didn't I didn't get the sense that she didn't understand her fame. I I just. Got the sense that she wanted to be like she wanted to be a performer and a person and yeah. she wanted those to be separate. But I, don't, I didn't get the sense that she like didn't understand why people appreciate what she did.
1: OK. okay. Um,
0: but I, I, I mean, of course, there are instances in the movie that would make somebody feel that way in the sense that like they're at her own concert, that bouncer won't let her through the front door. Uh, yes, and,
1: I'm glad you bring that and up. She's like, Very my, uh, eight mile my face, vibes, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just like, "I'm performing tonight." He's like, "I don't know who you are." She's like, "My face is literally on all of the posters around you." He's like, yes, "I don't know who yes. you are."
1: And she has to and go up the stairs, <clears> and she has to like bang on the uh, the the door and stuff like that. But I I totally agree with you. Like I was expecting her to be, you know, scream like Eminem did in Eight Mile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure like she'd be like what the
1: fuck man i'm i got a stamp on my I'm, hand motherfucker with future
0: yeah well yeah so anyway that but but that like so she does have those experiences like with the limo driver that's definitely one of the first things but it it never appears to me that she exhibits uh, the feeling of imposter syndrome, just that she's around people who don't actually know who she is. Yeah, that, that, uh, that,
1: that that's a good point with that. I, I guess maybe, you know, that's something Um, like I think, you know, I, I've told you before off mic, Ben, I felt a lot about that, you know especially when i've gone to conferences and spoken it like when i went to thailand to speak at a conference i had a lot of imposter syndrome i was like what the fuck am i doing here you know and sure maybe that's more of me projecting onto this movie um and giving me those senses uh than it really has if that makes sense i mean i
0: i uh i've definitely experienced imposter syndrome a, a number of times i mean i i switched professions and now i'm working with people that, that have been software engineers for 30 years, and I've been doing it for three, Hell if yeah. that. Hell yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it was um, just something I picked up on the side because I knew that, that academic life wasn't for me. So I've definitely experienced imposter syndrome there and in grad school. Um, so so I'm, no, I'm certainly no stranger to it. And this movie does, like, the movie itself might be saying something about imposter syndrome just with those experiences that she has, But I don't think that her character in the movie is necessarily saying something about imposter syndrome, if that makes sense.
1: Gotcha. No, I I think you're – I'm in total agreement with you. I mean the thing that I think um, really comes across in in visual style in terms of imposter syndrome is that moment when um, we get the song, the Nowhere In, when she is – Annie Clark is – Dealing, yeah, with, she's she's turning she's herself, herself around, seen, and it just keeps yeah. being the hair in front of her face. Like that, to me, screams imposter syndrome.
0: Oh, okay, no, I feel yeah, that that I definitely, I definitely can see that. There's, there's the, well, what I was thinking at that point was that that was her not understanding who she was anymore.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Um, but, but that is related to imposter syndrome in, in, in ways. So, I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely see not
1: that. Not knowing yourself, not understanding, um, you know, who you are, not understanding, you know, period, the, the, exi- your existence. I think that is one of the reasons, like, this movie clicks so much with me, is that, you know, when we get to that moment, you know, the whole thing of, of her walking through curtains and her spinning herself around i'm just like this is it this is this is the essence of the film
0: sure yeah that that um that whole scene was was pretty trippy but i do want to point out that it's not that we're seeing the hair over the face it's actually that every time she spins her around she's looking at her back
1: yes yes absolutely. um
0: so it, it's like she's she's a she's a beast with two backs if you will uh the whole you know sex thing but um <laughs>
1: Shakespeare reference there we go
0: (laughs) but uh no I I find that idea very very interesting I mean I saw I found the imagery very interesting of her moving forward but I I I I, and I definitely see how you you get imposter syndrome from that because she she has this feeling like she's there but she's not there yeah and there's somebody else in her place and that's totally an imposter like in real life like that's what imposters are so yeah okay I, I could definitely see that now and but again, more more with what that the movies portraying it than that than at any point your character actually does.
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, it, it, it's it's so. I, I'm glad you brought up the the visuals as we're talking about. It's so striking, and I think that's another reason that you know I saw this movie in theaters so many times. Well, one I saw it in theaters so many times because it was it was only playing, you know, that type of thing. I, I remember even telling like my my buddies like Matt and Nick who who you know. I was like, if you can see this, go see it. Like, it's only going to be playing theaters this weekend, that type of thing. And unfortunately, they didn't get to see it in Pittsburgh. It was like Denver was one of the only uh, showings of it, that type of thing. But that's the stuff that's striking. Like, that scene that we're talking about, her looking at her back constantly, that is visually striking. And that's what I love about this movie.
0: Well, and the idea of her looking at her back constantly is like, when you're looking at someone's back, it's because they're in front of you and potentially moving away from you. Sure. And in that scene, like every time she gets to the curtain, she opens the curtain, and her uh, her imposter is that same distance away from her. You know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So it's like it, she is watching this person move away from her and potentially even like watching her identity escape herself.
1: Ab- if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think what what you just what you just said, Ben, is why I thought of this movie. You know, back when I watched it in 2020, back when I watched it for this recording, it makes me think of David Lynch. I think Lynch is very much—like, this movie is Lynchian in the sense of doppelgangers and not knowing yourself. I mean— I, I know it's been a while, you know, maybe, t- what, 2014, you and I went to uh, the Athena Cinema oh, and watched God. all those David Lynch movies, but I think Mulholland Drive. Yeah, of it was Mulholland pre-master's Drive. degree, so... Yeah, yeah, I think of Mulholland Drive. Like, remember Mulholland Drive? Like, the, the last 20 minutes of that movie changes everything like all the characters you know are different now they're they're the same people like Naomi watches is the same woman but she's now dealing with things in a different way and I think that is why I think that this is so Lynchian it's taking an establishment of characters that we know and have grown to accept and they're it's just playing with them in a way that's Supposed to f with your head, you know. To use the example from the new Matrix movie, why does why did the first Matrix work? Because it f with your head, you know that type of thing. <laughs> right,
0: and it definitely does fuck with your head, especially as we start to see, like even Kim, the 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 fan that um sure that was. Selected to go to go talk to Saint Vincent, like we see her in that room, and it's like, what the fuck is this person doing here? Like <laughs> yeah. this randomly selected individual is actually part of the thing, like were all of those fans part of the thing, or did they yeah. somehow find a way to get her to randomly select the right person? You know what I mean? Yeah, like
1: yeah, absolutely. The whole idea of you know, are are you part of this? I I I feel like that was the question I asked myself more as I rewatched it for this recording, like. Who is a part of this? It seems like everyone is from what we learn, but that is just part of the essence of the film, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, it's um, – I, I still don't know what to make of it. Um, I'm, definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to rewatch it. I'm, um, I'm
1: with you, man. I mean I've, I've watched this a lot more – let's throw it back to two weeks ago with Crestone. I I, wa- I have watched this a lot more than Crestone. I am still fucking confused by this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I well, just in terms of like the the you know the plot twist type stuff, like and and at the end the thing where she was in the limo, she's actually on a set, and yes. the background behind her is just like art. It's like is that supposed to have been happening after the fact? Dude. Is that
1: Dude, I'm with you. I, I, I'm I so glad you bring this up because the first time I saw this movie, which I already mentioned, was like a 3 p.m. showing down in Denver. When that happened, you know, this is what, a 90-minute movie, so maybe like 4.30, 4.50 after credits and stuff like that. When this happened in the theater, I went, what the fuck? Like, I, I screamed in the theater. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh my god, but I'm with you. Still to this day, I don't get it, you know? Maybe not that I don't get it. Uh, I'm not saying, like, I, I misunderstand this movie. I think it has a lot of themes going for it. But still to this day, that last few minutes, like, screams to me as, like, It's not that I I feel dumb or anything, but I'm just like this is so off the wall. I really don't understand what's happening, and that that is another reason why I think it's so Lynchian. Where you know I think I've told you before, like when I show people Mulholland Drive or I show people Eraserhead at the end of the film, you know the end of the ninety minutes, two hours, whatever, they go, I don't get it, and I'm like, no, dude, you're not supposed to get it, you know.
0: (laughs) Sure they're like I don't get it, and you're like, yeah, you don't.
1: Yeah, nobody gets it. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> that is uh, that is the art.
1: But but that that is why I think I love it so much is that at the end of it, you know, uh, with the 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 scene that you mentioned where she gets out of the limo, and that seems to be a set piece within the context of the film, in a film within the context of the film, and then she goes and she talks to Carrie Brownstein, you know, on that little interview stage. And I'm just kind of—is like, she
0: talking to Carrie Brownstein there? Because like we don't—I thought she was just talking to a camera.
1: That—that—that's true. I've always thought of it as talking to Carrie Brownstein because she is kind of the filmmaker. But you're right; we don't get that conclusion. I guess is the is the way to put it. And it was and, like
0: at the beginning of the movie, or or throughout the movie, we see various parts of that little interview thing. Yeah, and she's like, "Why didn't we finish the movie?" some shit got crazy. Like she, you know, she says some, some, something along those yes. lines that something was weird. Yes. And like, that's why they didn't finish the movie. So I, I assume like at first I thought she was like in a police interrogation. I thought this movie was going to take me down this rabbit hole of like some people get murdered or disappear or something.
1: Well, okay. um, I'm glad you actually bring that up because, you know, I, I've thought of it as with, like I said, all the times I've seen this movie, I've thought of it as her talking to Carrie, the filmmaker, but you're right. We don't get any uh, conclusion about that. You, you saying it's like an interrogation that does come across as possible because I and, and I think, you know, we got at this a little bit before, but I wanted to pick your brain on it. Um, do you think the the inspiration or the idea of the limo driver running away is because he knows about the events of the film, if that makes sense? Uh,
0: no, I, I don't think so. I don't think he could know about the events of the film because he doesn't know who she is.
1: That's the thing. I'm with you. I agree with what you just said, but at the end of the movie, it kind of makes me think that, you know, this limo driver, he did his little Google research on his phone. He doesn't know who she is. And then read this thing about, oh my God, you know, she was a terrible person to the filmmaker, that type of thing. I, I've kind of started to rationalize it in my own weird way, like Crestone two weeks ago, I've started to rationalize it in the sense that the limo driver was like, Oh my God, this bitch is so bad to her friends that I need to run.
0: I mean, I could see, I think I could see why you would think that, but I, I just don't. Cause like, it, it also seems so at the beginning of the movie, uh, when we see her in the limo and he's talking to her, she very much still seems like uh, the meek version of Annie.
1: Yes, yes,
0: um, absolutely. So, like, at this point, she hasn't even done the the terrible things.
1: Well, um, well, I guess then my question is, why do you think the limo driver runs? Or do you think that it's a stage? It's all staged. I mean, that that's a very big point of contention, I think, is the idea that, you know, the limo driver runs away and leaves her in the desert. But is she really left in the desert or is it part of the movie? That's another level to it.
0: Uh, it's either part of the movie or it's some weird shit that happened to her. And then she made it part of the movie. Sure. That's definitely how I feel about it.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that we go back to that moment at the end of the film, right?
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) especially because at, at the end of that film or at at that moment, at the beginning of the movie, Carrie wasn't there.
1: Yes. Like, yes. There was, she she was
0: by herself listening to her on, to her headphones And then, you know, suddenly this dude just is like, I'm going to bail now. It's like maybe he listened to one of her mass seduction songs and realized that she talked about sex. Sure. Like, I can't handle this. You said
1: MF. Did he just say MF?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so, I mean, I definitely was kind of getting the vibe that he, I don't know what his character was or is, but he, you know, he was obviously easily offended by, by her dropping the MF. Words yeah. Yeah. Words. I, I
1: really well, I, I, I if I have not put the clip in already, I'll put it in here. But the whole thing when when the driver is on the, the phone with his son and it's like, did she just curse? Like it comes off across like a, a bad king of the hill joke, you know, like, did she just say a cuss word, you know, that type <laughs> of thing.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, it does. So, like, I, I just I don't know. I, I could never I don't I don't know that we're supposed to know what he was or wasn't thinking or or why he did what he did. And I, and I think, um, what it reminds me of most is actually the, the intro to rubber where, you know, have you seen that movie rubber? You
1: you talking about the tire movie? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Shout out to Carlos. Carlos, uh, just actually was like Rob, you should watch Rubber on Letterboxed, which I, I've never seen it, but I know all about it. So I okay. now that you've mentioned it, it's on HBO Max. I gotta check it out. Uh, this is uh, two two times mentioning it uh, in the last few weeks, so I will watch it, it probably tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, you, you should check it out. But there's in the opening scene, there's uh, this card that's just like slaloming around some chairs. And it, it, you know, like they're out in the desert and there's these like wooden chairs set up and it's just like driving around them. Okay. And then it like hits the last one and it completely collapses. Like it like falls apart. And then uh, <laughs> a guy gets great. out of the trunk of the car and he's just like, this movie's an homage to to no sense. Like this is just something that doesn't make sense, essentially, is is what he's getting at.
1: Yeah, I saw so I-, I mean I don't wanna, you know, tell tell tales out of school or anything, but rubber has been explained to me um very much in the sense that hobo and a shotgun hobo with a shotgun is like making fun of those type of movies, if that makes sense.
0: Uh Hobo with a shotgun, I'm not familiar.
1: Oh, okay. Hobo with a shotgun is basically like camp for camp's sake, you know, that type of thing. Um, okay. And and I feel like I've been told Rubber is very similar, where it's making fun of this idea to make fun of it. Um, maybe along the same lines to put it in something we both understand. Thanks, Killing. You know, Thanks Killing is okay. is making fun of those styles of genre to make fun of them, and that's the purpose.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, to to some degree, that is definitely the case with okay. Rubber. Okay. Um, rubber is like a. a sentient tire that has like telepathic powers (laughs) yeah yeah um
1: dude i'm gonna yeah i'll probably i'll watch it tonight i mean you know if um if what um pay money wubby isn't streaming tonight because i I watch him a lot um i'll watch rubber tonight on hbo max and uh by the time this comes out i will have seen it so maybe i'll do a quick correction or something like that (laughs)
0: um but yeah so anyway the reason i bring it up is like that scene with, with the, the limo driver, like, at the beginning, the the, very, the opening of yeah, the movie, when yeah. the limo driver just gets out and takes off, I was just like, this movie is just, like, paying homage to things that don't make sense. Like, this is just something that doesn't make sense. Sure. And I don't think it's something we're supposed to understand. Like, I don't think that the limo driver, I, I don't think he had, like, a character motivation for leaving. I think that was supposed to just be part of the uh, was Lynchian distortion you know, mechanics yeah, of the movie, Absolutely,
1: I guess. Absolutely. And I'm glad you actually used the term Lynchian again because I've said it a- enough times. But, I mean, this is something that I think, you know, people – when I say people, I'm using the royal people, like just people in general. And I think you understand this, what I'm about to say, Ben. The idea that, you know, scenes in movies – movies are fabricated. Like, we talked about it last week with with Eminem and the whole 8 Mile thing is that, you know, as much as we love The Last Rap Battle, we understand that it is fabricated. It is manufactured. There's multiple takes. There's a camera there, that type of thing. I mean, we even talked about it back, you and I, when we we hung out together and we were watching, like, you know, Sword Art Online. I remember being like, this is kind of crazy, the fact that there's just a camera in front of these people and they're acting to be on camera. I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think this movie feels the camera. Like, you can feel that there is something manufactured in the sense of this film, and that's not a bad thing. I think that when when we watch movies, once again, the royal we, when people watch movies, it's not... It's 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 not detrimental to realize all the time that there is a camera there. It's somewhat beneficial sometimes, and I think this movie exemplifies that. That you have things going on, the awkwardness maybe to highlight that exact you know implicit nature of this movie. The awkwardness is what makes this film great. If that makes sense.
0: Sure. Um, I I definitely do think that the awkwardness is what makes this film great, and you know is it. What, what should I say? Is it um, uh, good enough to just be awkward in in that sense? Um, sure. And I guess even even more so, like, is is the fact that um, is is that what they're doing? Are they just are they just like highlighting that this is a movie and it's allowed to not make sense at times? Sure. Um, and and through the fact that it's manufactured, it's it's allowed to just be ridiculous at times. And and I think that to some degree yeah that's absolutely what's happening and I think that the the first scene you know the thing I'm saying about the uh the limo driver I think that that's really what that is supposed to exemplify.
1: Do do you think on on the point you just brought up do you think this film is satirical in, in the sense that you know uh satirizing I guess the the artist if that makes sense? um I'm not
0: sure I would need you to elaborate what do you mean
1: so so when I say satirical one of the things I, I really like about satire is that um which people seem to forget but I, I want to reiterate satire is good when it is unknown so let me let me use the example I think the the modern satire is um South Park uh South Park is very satirical but so much so that people kind of don't realize that. People say, you know, oh, I have problems, X, Y, Z problems with with South Park, and, you know, they don't realize that it's satirical. I I guess in the sense of the art and the artist, St. Vincent being, you know, becoming more of her onstage persona as the movie goes on, um, do you think it's satirical in that way that it is poking fun At the artist, Uh, maybe to use an example is the one I fall back on all the time, R. Kelly. R. Kelly is a monster, like I've already said, but he is a great artist. He's written a lot of great songs. You know, don't get me wrong. I I do believe I Believe I Can Fly is one of the best songs of all time, but it is written by a monster. Do you think that, you know, this this movie gets at the idea of St. Vincent? Maybe actually let me rephrase. Do you think St. Vincent is satirizing herself in that way, if that makes sense?
2: I don't know. Okay,
1: okay. That's fair. I don't really know either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know enough about – um. as much as I love St. Vincent, I love her persona. I love seeing her in concert. I love, you know – Watching right, you, her, you Tiny like Desk, Clark. NPR, stuff like that. I don't know Annie Clark, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I wanted to bring up is um, when I saw her in concert, uh, as I mentioned, at the uh, Nelsonville Music Festival, the day before I saw her, when she was one of the headliners on Saturday night, uh, Nick and I got to see Ezra Furman um, at like 11 p.m., you know, and that, that type of thing. And Ezra, okay. Furman, a- Ezra Furman, I mean, I will. I will always love Ezra Furman. I don't know how he tapped into who I am as a person, but um, I I bought his CD, and I went and, you know, I talked to him. And he actually wrote on the copy of the CD I have, Don't Be Scared. And I don't don't really understand why he wrote that, but it means so much to me. Um, He was was like, don't be scared, and, you know, that type of thing. But I remember him, Nick and I talking to him, and he said, he's like – why you guys here? And we were like, oh, it's for St. Vincent, the Flaming Lips, you know, the headliners. And he was like, oh, my God, St. Vincent's so good. It's like she puts on a set piece, a stage piece. It's like when you watch her in concert, it's not just a concert. It's an actual play, that type of thing. Sure. And I think you got that from when we saw her in Columbus, you know, with you, Ben. Um, she really put on a performance, that type of thing. And just the idea that she can put that forward and she she does that with her – with her performances, this is why I think this movie is coming across as a type of satirization. She's almost making fun of herself because not only is this movie about her performing, it's also making fun of her performance. Because this movie is intercut with a lot of her her, her concert footage, you know?
0: right uh, you anything is making fun of her
1: concert I, footage that that's the thing I'm not really sure about which is why I'm saying I don't really know when you say I don't know if it's satirization <laughs> at the same time I see this as like oh man you know she she's doing a lot of concert footage but also making fun of herself with her persona is that purposeful? Is this just a concert film? I, which is what I... I don't think that's the case. I don't think this is a concert film. I think this is her, like, using that notion of being on stage to exemplify the, the profundity and stupidity of being on stage. And, and maybe that's a little more profound than I think what uh, she's doing. But it's like, imagine, imagine it this way, maybe. You're an artist. You're somebody who makes music for a living. You have to make fun of yourself at the end of the day. I mean, it makes me think of The Talking Heads. Like, Jonathan Demme's, you know, Stop Making Sense, like, the whole purpose of that, not only did it create the concert film genre, but it makes fun of the sense that David Byrne is like, this is stupid. Like, I'm stupid for being able to get up on stage and make a film like this. And I think this film is kind of getting at that same idea, as wonky as it seems.
0: I mean... I suppose I didn't really get that vibe, but I, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Okay. Um. But I, I, I mean, I definitely didn't feel like I, I thought I thought the interspersing of of the concert or of the concert footage was to like show us who Saint Vincent is and is not.
1: I guess. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I guess this really came across to me in the back half of the movie, specifically with the um the ranch scene and and the whole family singing of okay. the tiger, where I'm. You know, of course. Also, that is followed up by you know Carrie with Annie Clark sitting at the at the picnic table, and she's like, "I can't do this. I can't fucking stand what you guys are talking about." That that whole idea.
0: Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like I said, I, I didn't get, I definitely didn't get the vibe about the actual concert footage. But sure. but no, that that bit at the end, um, you know, where she's she's performing in the, at the ranch. I can, I can see why you would think that she's like making fun of the fact that she can do that. Yeah. Um, but it also came across to me as something that was like from the story perspective, that was just like to show her delusion.
1: Yes. Um, and th- that's the thing that, you know, that, that is the blending of this idea of, you know, me thinking on this grander scale or us thinking on this grander scale versus the story in the movie because it is hilarious the fact that, you know, here comes Annie with her award-winning state pie. And and Carrie Brown seems like, nobody's eaten this pie before. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, you know?
0: <laughs> right, yeah. She says something like, it's, um, it's only special because it's the first time she's ever made it or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, it's like... And the whole idea of the family being so engrossed or you know in the essence of the movie paid to say these things the whole idea where you know carrie brownstein says something like nobody's eaten this pie before and they go what are you talking about it's the state award-winning it won a blue ribbon ribbon." and they all have the fake accent on you know and, and that type of thing oh my god it's it's hilarious but it gets to that idea that it's all fabricated definitely that that and also the whole thing when when they um when Carrie's at the uh, the picnic table the way that they like do the whole messing with the visuals of, of those people like you know they do yeah. the whole like uh like their acid eyes get big kind of yeah, acid trip type of thing it makes me think of a black hole sun by Soundgarden you know they, when the eyes get big and stuff like that oh my god I
0: sure. love it <laughs> yeah I I really enjoyed that as well I I thought that that was like a well, when, I guess I should say when I saw it, I was like, "Rob's gonna love this."
1: <laughs> I think um, when I when I actually first watched this movie or or bought it, you know, so I could actually have it, you know, period. I, I'm pretty sure that I sent this chunk as a Snapchat to all of my friends. So then you might have seen this, you know, eight months ago or ten months ago <laughs> or something like that, and totally forgot about it. <laughs> sure,
0: yeah, that is definitely
1: possible, dude. Um, but it it is so much fun. I mean. Just, just to get it, you know, something that I thought uh, for this movie, which we talked about last week, Eight Mile. Um, I know in Eight Mile we were like, man, this movie's great, but we wish we had more rap battles. This yeah. movie really gets it—the notion of music in film, and I love that. You know, as we're talking about music movies, that type of thing, um, it, it gets to it to a, a, a poignant sense where, when you don't expect it, music starts to happen. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: The the interspersed con, uh, concert scenes at at least at some point in the movie start to be incredibly random. Feeling yes, yes. And, like I don't know why we're seeing this right and,
1: now. And and that's also um I think when this was being filmed, so this was filmed in 2018. Like I already mentioned, um you know this was probably right after when we saw her in concert, that type of thing. I, I don't okay. remember. I didn't look up when, when you know, I, when Nick and I went to Columbus and, you know, visited you, that type of thing. When we also watched all the John Wick movies together, that was that was the right. same weekend, that type of thing. But I, I was watching this, and I'm like, holy shit, like, we were this close to being in the crowd for this movie.
0: <laughs> uh, right. That would have been dope as shit. Um, like, oh, that's, I remember that concert. You know, that would have been cool yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Alas, that is not the way it is.
1: Yes, yes. Um, uh, just want to highlight uh, that was the same. Like I already mentioned, the same weekend we watched all the John Wick movies, which we will we will cover, whether it be on main feed or Patreon. We're going to cover it. Ben and I have been dancing around the uh, the John Wick movies for a while, specifically because of nobody. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. Nobody, nobody will be the real. I don't know. The, the real set piece for that, for yes, that series. Yes. If we do and it.
1: I, I really want to talk about the John Wick movies because I, I know I've said it already on, on Patreon on whatever. Um, the second John Wick movie is probably my favorite. I love John Wick too. One of the reasons why is because we see that bitch kill herself, but we don't get a titty. How are they going to show us suicide without a titty bro? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
0: John Wick, some good shit, Done some gu-
1: Rules, absolutely. I mean, just uh, I mean, we could talk for hours just on the the end of the first movie when Keanu Reeves is whipping around in a car, uh, that type of thing. Love it. Right. Uh, I gotta rewatch. I I I think I've said this before on Patreon. I gotta rewatch. Nobody, nobody's so fucking good, man. <laughs>
0: I, I actually bought a digital copy of it because uh, it wasn't available to <laughs> rent, and I was just like, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'm gonna." i'll just buy it
1: <laughs> clutch bro clutch if i if i can't rent this i'll fucking buy it that's how good nobody is absolutely. <laughs> yeah it was like i don't know it was like 15
0: bucks and i don't regret it even a little bit
1: not at and all it, man <laughs> and every day
0: my fire stick is like do you want to watch nobody and i'm like not yet but soon
1: <laughs> do you want soon to like i'll nobody? watch it again don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome. That is awesome. So I, I mean, um, some other things. I mean, I think I mentioned it at the end of last week when we talked about Eight Mile. Like, Eight Mile is such a good movie. I mean, this I feel in the same way. It this no, the Nowhere In is probably my favorite movie from last year of the movies that came out last year. So in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one, yeah. When I saw it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think you would agree with this, Ben. Like. Searching is better. Searching is one of the best films ever, but it did not yeah. come out in 2021. This was, this was the film that came out, that type of thing. Um, sure. Also, Anomalisa. Anomalisa, I don't think you've seen yet, Ben, but um, we, will, we will cover that one way or another. This was the movie that, you know, like I already talked about, I saw four times in theaters and I was telling people about. I, I wanted to just re-highlight because I think we, we briefly mentioned it already. This movie is fucking hilarious. Like, upon rewatching it for this recording, it it really hit me. I was laughing so much at this movie. And I think mm-hmm. it's because of that awkward sense of humor. And I think that's something that you and I, Ben, latch on to more than most, if that makes sense. That, that we like the fact that, you know, um, you know what it really made me think of? I, in, in a weird way this came across to me the humor in this movie the awkward sense of dry humor came across to me like a kevin smith movie do you you know what i'm saying yeah
0: i I can see that
2: Uh.
1: the use of just you know stale dry comedy of people looking almost nearly into the camera and you know like i mentioned ooh, that's a faster swim yeah that's so fucking funny to me (laughs) i think Tusk. I haven't seen Tusk oh. in a while, but I think of Tusk, like, remember, Ben, after you, me, and and Joel, your brother, saw Tusk, I was like, like, Joel was the one who was like, what the fuck was that movie? And you and yeah. I were like, dude, when he doesn't have a leg, that's the funniest fucking shit, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, the, the, ooh, that's a faster swim thing really, really reminds me or puts me in the mindset of, uh, from the Son of the Bob Strike Back movie.
2: yeah
0: uh, Ooh, what a lovely tea party! Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> dude, when we when we did um the chasing Amy episode for Ben Affleck's birthday, I remember you being like, you know, here's X, Y, and Z things from Mallrats that nobody laughs at, but I find hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, and yeah, the, that's the the rats. motif I got when I was rewatching it for this discussion. I was like, oh my god! I mean, I'm glad to know now that you like this movie. I I didn't really have any doubts. Um. Because like I told you last week and two weeks ago, this is not a creststone uh, or anything like that. You know, this right. is this is an actual movie. Um, but I was like, "There's no way Ben's not gonna laugh at this." Like, this is the dry humor that Ben and I lose our shit about.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I definitely, I definitely. There were definitely some parts that I cracked up, and it, and it. Like I said, at times it wasn't because I was humored. It was because it's it was awkward.
1: <laughs> and- yes.
0: And I liked that, I guess.
1: Dude, I mean, I just from my notes to highlight it, I mean, um, when uh, at, at the very, I think it's in, within the first 20 minutes when Carrie Brownstein is interviewing the other members of the band, and she she goes to Toko and she says something like, Well, Toko, what do you guys do on the bus? And Toko's like, We like to eat radishes, something that tastes like dirt. We like dirt. And I'm just yeah. like, Oh my God, this is too fucking funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she yeah she says something that tastes like dirt, and then she like later she's like I don't even like put dressing on my salad because like I want to taste the dirt. I
1: want to taste the dirt. Absolutely. When um, uh... what do you and Annie like to do on the bus? On the bus,
2: well, we snack on some radishes, something that tastes like a dirt. We really like it. So, yeah, we go look for farmers market every town and try, you know, different radishes
1: and then also when 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 uh, Annie Clark is starting to get the sense that Carrie wants her c b wants her to be more like her onstage persona, they have the whole interview scene it's the it's the moment we mentioned when it's like toko I didn't mean to call you Japanese toko is Japanese uh, earlier in that scene, it says something like, and this is Neil. He's Neil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes across to me like we talked about in Crestone. Like, this is my friend Ryan. He raps under the name, hi, my name is Ryan. And it's just like, that's fucking goofy. Goofy as shit, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, also in that scene, which I, we can't not point out. Uh, I don't remember is it Neil that she says the thing about like the miscarriage
1: oh yes his wife had a miscarriage Yeah, really yeah she's like well <laughs> she's
0: his, his wife had a breech birth a
1: breech birth the umbilical yes. cord
0: was was around its neck like it tried to hang like itself it in the tried womb tried to
1: hang Itself in the womb. Oh my god!
0: And and she was like, "This is after several miscarriages." (laughs) And the look on that guy's face is just like destroyed. (laughs) Like, why are you? It comes across
1: that that is a real moment. Like like we talked about, like which we loved about Eight Mile, the fact that the rap battle feels like a rap battle, like freestyle type of thing. This is a movie. It's manufactured. It's fabricated. But oh my god, I. I am so concerned for that dude in that moment where she's like, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck like it was trying to kill itself in the womb. And I'm like, whoa, oh, fuck.
2: Mm-hmm. Toko's cat got eaten by a coyote. And Robert's wife had a breached birth. The umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby's neck like it was trying to hang itself in utero. And that was after, what, multiple miscarriages?
1: It's too good. It's too fucking good. And I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad I got to talk to you about this, Ben, because I think it's like you and me and Zach. We're the only people that are going to be, man, this is fucked up, but it's funny fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Dude, I mean, even just to highlight as we're on the topic of, of this um this comedy, I mean, when St. Vincent starts to, you know, act more like an asshole, like, like act more like her onstage persona – when when she really gets into it, I'm, I'm thinking of the scene where, you know, she goes to Carrie Brownstein and she's like, come on, come on, follow me. Ask me a question. Ask me any question. And she's doing the whole thing where it's just kind of like, you know, following her down the hall type of stuff. That shit is is great. I mean, even I'm thinking a little later on after the concert when, um you know, Annie comes into the scene and she's like, hey, hey, come here, come here will you let people know I'm walking into the space? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Will
0: you introduce me into the space?
1: Will you introduce me into the space? And I'm like, bitch, like, fuck you. You know, <laughs> yeah, but it's, that was it's so funny.
0: <laughs> Definitely going like that snob superstar per- persona. But then even the people that were like talking shit about her, they were like, can we get a picture with you? And she's like, no. Yeah. And, and they're like, I, that, that kind of honesty, like it's so brave or whatever the hell they say. And it's like, these people who were shitty to her, and the reason she becomes shitty, yep. then like validate her for being shitty. Like I, it was such an interesting scene. A-
1: absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm glad you bring that up because you know, in in those moments when when Annie Clark, when St. Vincent is acting in those ways. It made me think of Under the Silver Lake. Remember the scene in Under the Silver Lake where it's like, she's the youngest person to ever read a TV show. How old is she? She's 12, but she's an old soul, you know? And right. It, it's, it's like poking at the fun of how we glorify certain artists for no reason other than maybe they did something we like once, you know? Sure. <laughs> I mean, also, just to get at the same idea, probably one of my favorite lines in the film when Annie Clark says to Carrie Brownstein, "I need more say in how other people other are going people are to going act. act," yeah, yes. dude, that when I when that moment happens in the movie, when I saw it for the first time, when I saw it for this recording, I'm like, dude, that's it, that's the essence of this film. That's how shitty these artists are sometimes.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, well, and that was after she tells Dakota, like, we should break up in a few months.
1: Oh, my God. One of my fun- – one of the funniest fucking things of this movie because the first time I saw this, I didn't know that was going to happen. They do the whole interview scene, and it's like, Dakota, I want to tell you. And you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be real. This is going to be real emotional. Maybe we should break up in a few months because that's where my best art comes from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so
2: good
0: and during the the is is it during that scene or during the first scene with dakota where she's like she wasn't even a lesbian before she met me and then and then carrie's like that's probably inspiring for someone
1: yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) the whole the whole you know in air quotes sexy and the whole thing where um she's like carrie can you film us can you direct us and she's like well i don't have a camera well you're a director direct (laughs)
2: you you can use your phone
1: use your phone and it's just oh god it's so awkward awkward might be the 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 name of the game in this episode this movie's so fucking awkward it's hilarious
0: do you remember which one said they weren't even a lesbian was it dakota that wasn't a lesbian when they met
1: i think it was dakota um okay i think so i i might be conflating this i'll when I edit this, I'll do a correction if I'm wrong. But um, Saint Vincent is a lesbian in real life. Um, she very famously dated uh, Cara Delevingne for many, many years. The the model, the supermodel, um, and that type of thing. I th- okay. I, I think it, I think it was Dakota where she was like, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. You know.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that was um, interesting. And, and I, I just I, I I don't know. I I know I already said, it, but I gotta say it again. I loved Carrie's response. Like that's inspiring for someone <laughs> like it's probably inspiring
1: absolutely i, I mean I, on that notion i mean we've been all over place in this discussion but I, I really wanted to harp on it the ending of this movie the twist the reveal the reveal that it seems that the entire film was a fabrication um for carrie brownstein like the thing with her father that you mentioned already How how did you take this? You know, I'm thinking back to when we discussed searching. And everybody, go check out our Patreon. Uh, We have two episodes on searching, that type of thing. Um, But I remember I asked you about searching um, because a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but people I read about did not like the twist of searching. And they're fucking stupid because that movie is immaculate. And the whole fact that, you know, the, the police officer is the one who perpetrated it—I'm sorry, spoiler for searching—that uh, only adds to it. What did you think about the twist of this movie, Ben, if you have any thoughts on it? Did, did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Were you just on board by the time it happened? Or what do you what do you have to say?
0: So I, the twist, again, being that it's like all of this is, is kind of made up and—, and Yeah. The, I guess the only part of, of the twist that I had any trouble with at all is like why doesn't—like how is it—so— so let's say that they have fabricated this whole thing, and this whole filming a documentary with Carrie is actually this like elaborate prank on Carrie, or yeah. they're actually filming a different movie, and the the you know the deceit with Carrie is is part of the, of this other movie. How whichever way you want to take it, I I don't get how she could not know that that's not her father.
1: That that I'm glad you bring that up because that's where I'm like what you know like i already mentioned when i saw this in theaters like at the end of the of the viewing experience i went what like like i screamed out loud you know that type of thing it it, it's almost too egregious to be believable if that makes sense right
0: yeah so it's almost like she's saying like not only was this experience a fabrication like your whole life was a fabrication
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and
0: perhaps that is what the twist is actually supposed to be is that that carries whole life and even maybe their friendship has been a fabrication, like, from the beginning. It's like we, wh- whatever, whoever people are in charge, like, have set this up to make it so that you live your life believing this, but yep. none of it is true. Yeah.
1: It, it, it's, uh, like I said, egregious, almost too egregious to be believable, and that's one of the things that, one, makes me love this movie more, because as I watch it, you know, I'm like, this is so crazy I can't wrap my head around it, you know? It, it's It's not something like a... I've been saying Lynchian, but at the end of Mulholland Drive, at the end of, you know, The Straight Story, at the end of, you know, any um, Wild at Heart or anything like that, I go, okay, I can kind of rewrap wrap my head around this. This <laughs> is something I can't. I I don't get the whole – like, the juxtaposition between – the the fabrication of what appears to be Carrie Brownstein's life in this movie i can't wrap my head around it in terms of what else this movie goes through
0: i don't know i i think i'm i'm thinking that this movie might be even like have a depth a level of depth that i didn't realize sure with with um with the idea that this actually is a fabrication of Carrie's entire life and and that perhaps i perhaps it, it's it's leaning towards like nothing is real or like nothing in the <laughs> entertainment industry is real.
1: Sure. Sure. Are, are you saying something along the lines of that? You know, um, I, well, well, one, not, are you saying, I, I do want to ask you that, but something I thought about this movie, another thematic reason I love it so much is that this is portraying the idea that everything is a performance. Relationships are a performance. Concerts are a performance. Being, you know, let, let's let's actually take it to the level that you know you and I, Ben, we're doing cinemodities. That's a performance. Is everything a performance?
0: To some degree, yes. I, I mean, I, I definitely, I f- I feel like a lot of my interaction with people involves some level of performance. Uh, where it, whether it be just like trying to understand the types of reactions they're expecting, and then trying to actually portray those things. Or um, yeah. trying to, you know, with with having experienced a lot of depression and anxiety, like trying to put on the face that that's not consuming my entire reality at the moment, like just any any number of things feel like uh, some kind of performative act for me. With the and, with
1: the idea that you know, I think you just hit hit the nail on the head. Something I was going to bring up, well, um, like the fact that you know, I I teach. Teaching is a performance. I have to put on a face. I have to put on a facade. Maybe to exemplify this better, um, you know, there's that old saying. um, I'm not going to get it right, but I know you're going to understand what I'm saying. Is that, you know, you wear two masks every day. It's the mask of who you are and the mask who you present yourself to be. And and that this movie gets at that idea. It gets at the idea that you know maybe. Everything is a performance. Maybe we're wearing a mask for ourselves day to day. And that is wildly impressive to get from a 90 minute movie like this.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I would. So the idea that you're wearing the mask of who you are and and the mask of who others think you are, uh, I think I think there's there's this deeper layer where it's like there is who you are. There is who you think you are, mm. and then there's who other people think you are.
1: That's the that's the better way to put it, absolutely. Good looks, good uh, looks, yeah.
0: And, and so, like, yeah, the the thing you said about you, like, you're wearing a mask of who you are, it's, it's really the, the mask of who you think you are. And then there is actually who you are. Um, and that's something maybe drastically different, but I, ideally pretty closely related. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think they kind of touch on that at some point. At least they talk about with, like, the persona and the person becoming the same or something
2: like that. Yeah, uh,
1: and I, I think, um you know, to highlight the scene we mentioned already, um when St. Vincent is looking at the back of her head, you know? I would imagine, um you know, everybody's felt this way. When you look in a mirror, sometimes it feels like I'm not looking at myself, you know? Sure. Sometimes I'm looking at the facade that I've been putting on.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes... And maybe some of the more delirious states, you can even think of like, I, in some way, the thing I'm looking at actually feels like a stranger to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and it's like, this is, there are a number of times you, you feel that way, especially like as you get older, you, you, for, for whatever reason, uh, I, I, at least for me, I, I don't, I don't tend to think of myself as the age I am, if that makes sense. Like, I remember... I remember my past to some degree and then like who I expect to see in the mirror somewhat based on my memories. Yep. And, and some of those memories are too old to be useful in that, in that realm. So some mornings if I like wake up and I'm like, shit, like I look older than I thought. Yeah. um, Yeah. There's, there's that aspect as well of just being like who I see in the mirror is not who I thought I
1: was. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. And I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons, like I've already said, that I latch on to this movie so much because it it has those ideas and it's it's very much, you know, grandiose in that sense of, you know, in keeping with you know the the notions that we're talking about, and it's very important. I, I think this movie is very important, and which is why I want to talk about it for this. It fits into the music movie series, of course, but you know I think it's it's grander than that. <laughs> sure. Um, was there anything? I mean, I feel like that was the the big thing for me was the talking about the themes of this movie and stuff like that. Was there any other moments that you wanted to highlight that we haven't hit on or anything like that, Ben? Um,
0: no, I I, I think that we hit on. On everything that I was you know that, that was was kind of I, I won't say worthy for of, you know of note or anything like that but it was like the stuff that like made me laugh in the moment sure uh, I think you know I, the biggest one being like no I'm sick I'm just not your dad like that fucking blew
1: me away i think that was so funny dude that that moment at the end is where i i was like i already said i was like what like what is happening like what is going on you know that type of thing it, it's it's sure. it's it's a different
2: cut hey CB i thought that one was actually really good yeah it, it looked great Hey, john what's wrong well it just feels weird to watch you perform a song we wrote together solo
0: Hey, do you guys have a minute? I just wanted to show you the options for the role of director for tomorrow.
2: Oh, perfect. Yeah. CB, I hope you don't mind, but I asked Kayla to help us out with casting the director. Honestly, I would have asked you, but you were so busy with your shot list. I, right, I thought you wanted me to be in the narrative film. Oh, no, I do. Just, you know, played by someone exquisite. You're fired as my assistant. Uh, oh. No, I don't think you can fire me because I've just been playing your assistant. Like, you know, like I'm an actor. Whatever. Wait, I'm confused. I thought that Annie hired you. I don't think I know what we're doing anymore. Guilty. Wait, does
0: that mean you're not sick? No, 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 I'm very sick. It's just, uh,
2: I'm not your dad.
1: different from like when you watch a like we've said David Lynch film when when you watch something like really out there the the other example I think of is um The Sixth Sense so as much as I dislike M. Night Shyamalan I I will forever say like Sixth Sense is one of the best movies of all time like the way that that twist works is impeccable um Mm -hmm. like this movie hits me in a different way of not just going Oh my God, is that what this movie is about? Like when, of course, I'm sorry, anybody, if you've never seen The Sixth Sense, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Bruce Willis is dead the whole time, you know, but it's like the whole idea that when I watch The Sixth Sense, I go, Oh, that happened. And that recontextualizes the film. And that makes me think about it differently. And, you know, we've talked about that, I think on, uh, with, with many different movies, when you get a twist it makes you rethink what you just watched. Well,
0: if it's a good twist.
1: If it's a good twist, absolutely. This is kind of different, where when the twist happens, I go, I, I feel I'm supposed to think differently, but I don't get how I'm supposed to think differently, you know?
0: <laughs> I, I have to say I'm kind of on the same boat with you in, in the sense that, like, I don't, I'm not sure what.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I, I like I, I just I don't
0: know um you know are are we supposed to believe like how how much of how much of it being fake is is what we're supposed to believe and how how much of Annie Clark turning into St Vincent is supposed to have been real as opposed to having been a performance for this like meta movie mm-hmm. um I I don't I don't have any clue because at the end she feels very much like Annie Clark not like St Vincent
2: yeah
0: because like I definitely thought that was Her, you know, I thought it was Andy Clark when I, when I believed it was like a police interrogation before it goes to uh, like for for a hot minute. I thought we were like you were having me watch like this weird like ghost movie or something. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, how much of it does it really recontextualize? I mean, it it changes all of it uh, in the sense that who's in charge or or that somebody is in charge does seem to be the case throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. even if we don't know who know who but but i am with you in the sense that like i don't i can't fully grasp what what they're trying to say
1: yep yep i'm I'm with you i mean it's it's one of those twists i mean like i it's so different i guess is what i'm saying it, it's like you know uh, i just mentioned sixth sense we've talked about um matchstick men Uh, on the patreon and you know that (laughs) twist recontextualizes everything you're supposed to think about the movie but it's very grounded um i'm also thinking about you know other twists just in general you know um I, i can't think of an example this is one of the ones i feel is like does it change how i feel about the movie yes but in what way I, I, I think that's what you were saying is like a, right. we don't understand how to feel about it. it. It's more so an emotional twist than it is a contextual twist, if that makes sense.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, it does.
1: And that, that, that is something that I think is very impressive. I mean, I, I can't think of another movie that functions in this way. I can't think of another movie where, you know, um, there's a twist that makes me think differently but the same – if that makes sense, it's it's very impressive in the sense that I don't think, like I said, another movie functions in this same way. And I love the fact that we get to discuss something like this. You know, maybe maybe the closest thing we have to this is um, the Neon Demon, which is not a twist, I think, but it's it's recontextualizes. You know, when um when when they eat the girl at the end of the movie, like that's right. not really a twist, but it is something that makes you go, oh, that's what I'm watching. I don't really get what I'm watching, but that's what I'm watching. <laughs> I feel the same way with this movie, where I, I sit through it, you know, maybe an hour, an hour, ten minutes goes by, and then that last twist happens, and I go, oh, this is the film I'm watching. I didn't think it was the film I was watching, but it is the film I'm watching. And it's so unique, and it's so clever in, in its delivery well, that it is, it is you know, unique in that sense.
0: Uh, you said that it doesn't, like, contextually... Or, sure. or doesn't... <laughs> I think it kind of does. I mean, the context being that this whole time there's there's been a meta movie happening.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: I'm with so you. So, like, it's like there's, there's there's an observer that's one layer removed. And and that's – and perhaps – fuck, perhaps we're that observer.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure.
0: <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, I, I haven't, like, fleshed this out or anything, but, like, perhaps we are – Perhaps it is – the whole twist at the end is, is to to make us realize that these characters don't even exist at all, and so she doesn't have a dad. She's a figment of somebody's imagination. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not your dad. Of course I'm not your dad. Nobody's your dad. Like, this whole thing just exists for the person on the couch. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. No, that I think that's a, an interesting take on it for sure, and I mean it's, it's one that um... – when I rewatch this movie, you know, for the fifteenth time or whatever, I'm, I'm going to have to think about this now. You know, um, it, sure. it, it's a it's a film. What which you've been saying, I think it's a film that you know, it does not f- facilitate an easy viewing. It's it's a it's a thought provoking piece, right? Yes, definitely. And and that's that's what I love about it. The fact that it's you know a music movie compared with with that type of thing. It's it's just it's just so good. <laughs> True. Oh man. I mean, uh, so if, if, you know, you don't have any other scenes to highlight, I don't think I did. I mean, this is one of those movies where I was not to jump the gun for snacks. I was latching a lot onto the, uh, the messages of the movie more than anything else. Um, are you ready for questions then if there was nothing else you wanted to highlight?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do some questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, everybody, I'm sorry. This is no uh, 8 Mile where we talk for three hours about it, you know, that type of thing. (laughs) Uh, 8 Mile, so good. Uh, Anyway, so, I think, in in juxtaposition to 8 Mile, um, this is a cinemodity, man. This might be the technical definition of a cinemodity. I'm going hell yes to cinemodity. What do you think? (laughs) Uh, I I definitely have
0: to agree, but I... I, I want to develop an understanding or I guess I, I don't want camera tricks to be able to turn something into a cinematography okay.
1: if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, um I'm and with this you.
0: movie isn't just camera tricks and so that's where it's like well like if any movie were to introduce some camera tricks like this, would would we feel the same way? And that's the thing where I'm like I don't mm-hmm. I don't want that to be true. Like I don't I don't want it to be a formula that you can be odd by following.
1: That makes sense. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I agree with you that there is a, a lot of cinematography that makes this odd, but I also think the, um, the inherent nature of the story is what makes it odd as well.
2: Um, yeah. And that, yes, it is a very
1: odd story. Um, absolutely. And, and like I said, possibly the technical definition of a cinemodity, this is so fucking strange. I mean, just, you know, the, the whole idea of the, the twist, as we've been talking about it, you know, in air quotes, the twist, that type of thing, it makes it bonkers off the wall type of stuff. And, and sure. I have to say for the same reason, Hell yes to late night. I'm going to use this as a late night movie. I'm going to show this to as many people as I can. Um, I think this is a somewhat unknown film. Um, You know, Ben, you might be the best example where I was like, hey, it's St. Vincent's movie. We got to talk about it. And you were like, I remember St. Vincent, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think this is a a late night movie through and through. I I think not only because of what I love about St. Vincent, but just the idea that, you know, you can show this to somebody and – I have not used it as a late night movie, but I'm thinking like in the future I will, I'm going to be watching them more than I'm going to be watching the screen. You know, I, I love the idea that, you know, you're going to get great reactions from this movie.
0: Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, late night. Yeah, definitely. I would, this, this movie was, it's despite how odd it is, it's still very accessible. Even though at the end of the day, you you might walk away a little unfulfilled in the sense that you don't necessarily know what to make of it. Um, it, it is, it's still very accessible, unlike, uh, well, at least, at least it feels that way to me, unlike some of the, like, Fire With Me stuff, where, like, we get recordings of people's voices played backwards, and, like... Um... Sure, sure. Oh, no, so what is it? They, they learn how to save the lines backwards, and then save them backwards, and then that recording gets yeah, flipped? Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm kind of you know, I, I'm right now in the moment in shock and awe that you've mentioned Firewalk with me, but I love it, Ben. But yes, you're absolutely right that they 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 basically had the people learn the lines backwards and then say them backwards and then reverse them in post.
0: <laughs> um, and like some of that stuff was is just like it's so hard for me to to experience, I guess. Like it's so hard for me to like sit through and 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 still I, I guess be comfortable, and I and I know that not every movie should that you, you should not be comfortable while watching every movie, but I, that makes me uncomfortable in a way I don't, I don't like. It's more Whereas...
1: off-putting for the sake of off-putting. I think is what yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. I, I think David Lynch in general. You know, um, I'm I'm thinking back to uh, you know, um. Oh God, Lost Highway, you know that movie. Like it's it's supposed to make you uncomfortable for the sake of making you uncomfortable. And there's some I I take some umbrage with that and some issues with that. But Fire Walk Me is a great example. I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, remember when we saw that in that like a little Athena Cinema, the whole club scene where nobody like everybody's talking, but there's no subtitles, and you know you're just hearing loud music, and it's just like. What the fuck are we supposed to take from this? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was—it's uh... uncomfortable. It's—it's it's off-putting. It's—it's it's unnerving. I remember, you know, you and I sitting here in the theater, and it's like, please, just somebody say a word. We need something to latch onto.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so, like this—this this movie, uh, despite how odd it is—is is not that unnerving or uncomfortable. So, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely think I would be happy to show this to to people. and I think that the average viewer could, could get something from it. And then if you have any more like talkative or, or, uh, you know, self-proclaimed deep thinkers as friends, perhaps they would get more out of it. But,
1: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, in juxtaposition to, um, you know, my last choice in this series, Crestone, uh, this is not something where it's like pulling teeth to get discussion. You know, like we said with Crestone, it was like, okay, you have to sit somebody down, and you might get good discussion, but you have to explain to them, it's not just about how stupid these people seem.
2: (laughs) Right.
1: This is very much more, uh, I think you used it right, accessible in that way. And um, yeah. and I, I approve of that. I, I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Crestone, and I'm going to show that to people. But this is much more of a movie where you go, okay, do you get it? And people go, yeah, I think I got it. Where Crestone is the one where you go, hey, did you get it? And they go, oh, Jesus Christ, why did you make me sit through that? <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess with that being <laughs> said, that that brings us to snacks. Um, I, like I mentioned already, um, I don't have a lot of snacks for this episode. Um, I, I This is one of the movies that, you know, I just kind of fell into the trap of watching and stuff like that. Um, but I think, because we mentioned already, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to steal this one from you, Ben. Vegetables that taste like dirt. Uh, I would love some, you know, dirty radishes or something like that. You know, maybe... Uh, Maybe we have a, a restaurant item that is vegetables, radishes that are not washed or something along those lines? What do you think? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean that's that's pretty, pretty straightforward <laughs> taking away from this movie. Not um, only we,
1: does it uh, fit the motif of this movie, but it also fits the motif of us at the restaurant trying to spend as little money as possible. Why the hell would we waste time washing our vegetables, you know? The dirt is what makes them. <laughs>
0: So, we also need, you know, we, we need different kinds of radishes, uh, which I didn't know that there were, um, but she mentions <laughs> sure. different kinds of radishes, so we need those. Um, and we also probably should have dirt, like, just dirt as an option, like, if you really want to eat the dirt.
1: Okay, I like that. Um,
0: and, you know, we, we could we could go with, like, a big pile of dirt in the back, or, or we, could, we could take the... Uh, and this is the more costly route, and I know that people probably don't want to do this, but we could sh- like, for the clean vegetables that we serve, we could take the dirt from those vegetables and sell that dirt.
1: Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm into that. I'm, I'm into reusing dirt and just disgustingness of food. I think we have some version of, like, seafood or something already on the restaurant. Maybe we take, like, the shit sack from shrimp and put it on the vegetables or something along those lines. Oh, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> um... And then we also need a room full of. Uh, I, I don't. And I don't know how we'll achieve it. We'll probably need an engineer or something to help us. We need a room full of mirrors where, like, the only thing you ever see in one of the mirrors is your back. Ooh, okay, okay. I
1: like that. Makes me think of. Um, I, I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, one of my favorite places ever. Um, which I think still exists. It's called the Mattress Factory in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, It has nothing to do with mattresses or beds. It is a a, a museum uh, that has art installations. And when I went there back in 2011, somewhere around those lines, um, there is a room that is fully mirrors. Like you go in and it is floor, ceiling, walls, all mirrors. And it's a really cool experience, um, and that w- what you just said makes me think of that—that that, you know, it's a mirror, but in the sense that you know, we're always looking at the back of our heads.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, or I mean, if we can't pull it off, uh, actually, no, maybe even just as uh, like a souvenir, we we have like mannequins that you can dress up to look like yourself that are just two backs.
1: Oh, sure, sure. Or not mannequins, you, but dolls. When you say that, I also like the idea that you know, um, I'm thinking of. Um, uh, theme parks. When you go on the roller coaster and they take a picture of you at the end of the ride, that type of thing. Like mm. I, I, I'm imagining, you leave the Cinemoddy's restaurant and it's like, you know, hey, here's a picture of the back of your head. Do you want to pay sixty dollars for it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that works. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, th- I think I think we also need some kind of uh, setup where where you can walk through a curtain and watch somebody get like further away from you without moving.
2: Oh, um, okay. I like that. Like I like the, that.
0: that whole scene. Like if we can make a room that's like dedicated to that, I, I just, like I said, I'm not sure how we would achieve it, but, but I definitely, I think it'd be pretty, well, I mean, I guess we could use mirrors for that too. Uh, but it'd be pretty neat to just, uh, you know, be able to try to walk up behind yourself and never quite reach
1: yourself. Sure, sure. Something um, which Zach and I said many, many years ago on the Annihilation episode. A trick of the light. We need to use a trick of the light type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I dig it. I dig it. Absolutely. So, if you have no other snacks, because I, I had nothing because I was so engrossed at this movie. Ben, would you like to uh, fill in our audience... We have one Monday left in this month. Would you like to say what we're doing next week? Because after Crestone and Nowhere In, these were my choices. After Eight Mile, which was your choice, which was holy shit, Eight Mile is so fucking good. What are we doing next week? If you'd like to give uh, our audience a a little a little hint into what we're covering next Monday.
0: Yeah, sure. So we're um, we're gonna go back a couple years, just just a couple um, <laughs> to Fallout Boy post hiatus uh released a an album that has music videos that kind of come together to make uh you know one viewing experience if you watch them all back to back and it is called the young blood chronicles yeah so we will be watching young blood chronicles uh and Uh, discussing that
1: may may i say uh, i'm gonna do my best to recreate the sounds my songs know what you did in the dark. That album. <laughs> uh,
2: yes. Yes, that uh, is that. Which, that which is I
1: that. have to say, I'm, I'm actually glad that you picked this, Ben. Uh, tune in next week for our full discussion, but I, I really liked that um, – one, you mentioned it, something I did not know after I watched it. This is their return to form. Like, Follow Up Boy had their hiatus, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot more next week. Um, but that was something that actually struck me by surprise, where I was like, oh, this is their reintroduction to the world, and that type of thing. And, right. uh, and uh, we're going to get to talk about two chains! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So that's what's coming next week. We're going to talk about... Uh, Something that is more music than movie, but is still a music movie, if you will.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, I, I, I'm excited. I've already watched it. Um, I also watched the commentary that Fallout Boy did about it. Uh, So I'm trying to be prepared for this stuff. But I guess then the last thing to say is, how do we end this episode? I figured, you know, uh, what better way than uh, to play the actual song from Saint Vincent, "The Nowhere Inn," in reverse.
0: I could be on board with that, but I think we should play Los Angeles.
1: Oh, I know. Okay, okay. I know you like that song. Maybe, maybe I'll do a melody or a medley. I guess I should say <laughs> not melody, medley. We'll we'll do something in reverse as we always do. <laughs> How can anybody have you and lose you? Did you just say MF?
2: <laughs> I did.